Good morning, everyone. It is so good to see you all this morning. My name is Jay. If you're new here, I'm the director of worship for City Church, and I, I truly hope you've all had a wonderful Thanksgiving uh, weekend week. Uh, would you stand with us? We're going to begin our service together. Actually, sorry, sorry, sorry. Joke. <laughs> you can stay seated. We're doing something. Uh, we're entering into a season. I forgot. Hey, we're starting Advent this, this uh, week. Yeah? <laughs> That's so funny. I have so much power. I just realized this. <laughs> so much power. Um, we're, in, we're entering into Advent this, uh, this, this Sunday for the next uh, four Sundays and Christmas. And uh, for those of you who may be um, kind of unaware of what Advent is and, and why we practice it, Advent really, truly, it's just a season for us to reflect uh, on the coming of Christ. Uh, it, it's expectation and hope of Jesus's birth. So we, we look towards that. We reflect on Israel's Advent season as they were awaiting the Messiah. But we also identify with Israel in this season as we are ret- waiting for his return. And so we are too in an Advent season, just like the people of Israel. So we read passages and we light candles that... Um, represent the coming light of Christ. So they progressively, we light more candles uh, in anticipation of Christmas. And so this morning, we have George and Mary Lebo, who are going to help lead us in that uh, reading and candle lighting that we do each week. Uh, We're going to have a different family come up and help us. But we're going to do this together. So there is going to be a leader portion and a church portion to read together at the beginning and at the end of the scripture readings. So you'll see that on the screen. I would encourage you to enter into that um, and join us as we reflect on Advent together. So George, would you lead us? Jesus said, I am the light of the world. The one who follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Together. We light light this this candle candle as a sign of the coming coming light of Christ. Christ. People who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. Come, Lord Jesus, our light and our salvation. Let Let us walk in the light of the Lord. Let's pray together. God, would you be here with us this Advent season in spirit as we wait for Christ's return in full? God, in this season of waiting, may we grow in our hope and in our faith in you as we reflect on your goodness and on your faithfulness to the church of ages past. God, as well as reflect on your faithfulness to us in recent past. God, thank you for loving us. Holy Spirit, would you help us to respond this morning in genuine praise and worship together as one family bonded together by the blood of Christ. We ask for your help. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand together now, for real, and uh, and sing.
this chorus together. Sing fairest, Lord Jesus. Fair are the meadows, fair is 
You may be seated. Well, good morning. It is great to get to be with you. I'm Ryan, one of the pastors here, and it's great to get to worship with you. Hopefully your, your bellies are full of pumpkin pie and turkey. Your hearts are full after a gator victory, right? Oh, man, come on. We got to have better than that. Come on. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <clears throat> um, yes, and here we are now at the, the best time of the year as we look ahead to Christmas. Um, here at City Church, we aspire to be an authentic community walking with God in our city, and hopefully our, our prayer is that you would encounter and experience the love and the mercy and the grace of Jesus here this morning. Uh, when you came in, you should have received a bulletin, and inside that bulletin there's a connection card, and that is a great way you can let us know you are here. You can let us know uh, if you'd like to get connected with anything or you'd like more information, please fill that out. And also, if there's any way that we can be praying for you, there's a space on the back where you can fill in a prayer request. Uh, please fill that out, and you can drop that in the box on your way out or in the, drop it in the, uh, the little pocket that's in the seat back in front of you. And Chipper and I pray through those every week. We pray through all those prayer requests, and we love to, to get to pray for you and also to know how to pray for you. So please do, please do fill that out. Um, if you would be interested in giving, uh, you know, we serve a generous God, and we, part of our responsive worship is giving generously. You can always do that online, citychurchgnv.com slash give, uh, or you can drop a gift in the brown box on your way out. A few announcements for us. Uh, community groups were on break this last week for Thanksgiving, but they're resuming this week. So I encourage you to plug back into your your CG, those will uh, continue until the 19th or so, and then we'll be on break for a couple of weeks around Christmas and, and New Year's. But we'll be going through this Advent series as a community group, so I encourage you to get plugged in there. If you're not in a group, that's a great way to build relationships, to grow in your faith, to grow in Christian community, and so please check those out. You can get more information about that, of course, on our website, but there's also cards uh, on this welcome table back here, and you can go and talk to the hospitality uh, person after the service. Uh, we also offer now, if you're a parent and you are interested, maybe you've been coming to the 9 a.m. service uh, because for a while we've only had uh, child programming, children's ministry programming available for the 9 a.m. service. We also have some of that limited children's programming available for the 11 o'clock service as well now. So that is just the, the nursery right now. So I think it's zero to two. Uh, if, if, so if you'd be interested in sleeping in, you know, if your kid's sleep schedule is such that that would be better for you, uh, please do encourage, come, uh, please do consider coming to the 11 o'clock and uh, make use of that resource. We also have uh, on the welcome table back there, we have prayer cards available now. This was something that we did for a long time. We, we didn't do it for a while, and now we've brought back these top five prayer cards. Uh, it's a way to remember to pray regularly for those that God has put in our lives, in our spheres of influence, maybe who don't know Christ, to, to you know, put it on your dashboard, put it and stick it in your Bible, put it on your desk at work or something, so you, you are regularly reminded to pray for the people God's put in your life. So I encourage you to grab one of those today and to spend this Advent season praying for the people that God's put in your life. This is a, an amazing opportunity to invite folks to come to an Advent service, to a special Christmas service, to a Christmas Eve service. Uh, people may be more receptive to, to visiting, and so I encourage you to 
pray for those folks and to uh, invite them to come to a service. Uh, we are doing a college game night this Saturday, December 4th at 7 p.m. I think Nico is organizing this. It will be at his house. Uh, and so the address should be in your bulletin. If it's not, just get with Nico or look on Realm for that. Realm is our social media app. Um, and if you're not on that, you can also get signed up for that at the welcome table. And then we are doing uh, December Street Outreach as a ministry to the homeless in the downtown community. That will be this Sunday, December 5th at 1.30 p.m. Uh, all are welcome to come and participate in that. If you haven't done it before, we encourage you to come maybe 15 minutes early, and uh, Tyler will help give you a little orientation and some, some training for that, okay? Uh, each, each month, once a month or so, we do a missions spotlight, and this is a way to share with you information about uh, our missions initiatives to, to take the gospel overseas. Uh, Emily Simmons is the chair of our missions committee, and she's going to come up this morning and share a little bit about where you can stay informed and be praying for some of our missions initiatives. Hi. Oh, hi. Um, yes, I'm Emily. I'm the chair of our missions committee, and this morning we're going to spend some time using these little bulletin brochure things that are over back there on the welcome table. There's this, this one side, the right side of our table has missions resources for you guys. So we have these from every month in September. So there's four different versions over there. And um, we also have prayer cards for our missions, uh, for our missionaries over there. We have two right now and we have more coming, more prayer cards coming. So please on your way out today, take a look at that little section on the table and grab a few things and pray with us. But this morning, we're going to focus on this bulletin. Um, and I just, in praying this week, chose three little segments from it that I'll read. And then after I read each one, we will pray together for each of those things. So these bulletins, they're called Church Around the World. They give you an update on what is happening with God's global kingdom. So we hear a lot about what's going on with the church in the U.S., but what's going on elsewhere? What's going on in the rest of the world? So Every month they have a country of focus. This month is Albania. It says, Albania, a mountainous country on the Adriatic Sea, emerged from a communist economy in the 1990s, but remains one of Europe's poorest countries. They have been, there have been marked improvements, yet there is still poor infrastructure, corruption, and high emigration rates, which hamper further growth. From 1967 until the ban was lifted in 1990, no religion could be freely practiced in communist Albania. Today, citizens enjoy religi total religious freedom, and the Albanian church is maturing from the infancy stage in the 1990s, with the number of evangelicals growing from zero to multiple thousands. However, the majority of Albanian Christians are still nominal believers, and some traditional religious groups oppose the outreach efforts of evangelicals. Islam is still the largest religion in Albania, and according to some estimates, is as high as 70%. So it's an update on how things are in Albania. So we're going to take a moment, and if you would pray with me for the country of Albania. Father God, we dedicate this time to you, to your glory. We pray that you would accomplish what you have promised, that your name would be worshipped in every language by every people across the globe. We specifically pray for Albania this morning. Father, this is a country that has seen a lot of pain and yet has seen a lot of growth, though there is still more that you can do. We pray for the followers of Christ in Albania, though they are few, but their efforts, that their efforts to evangelize their spheres of influence and beyond. 
We pray that these believers might find mentors and resources that will aid them in their spiritual growth and in their evangelistic efforts. Might leaders be raised up to lead church planting movements and disciple-making movements in Albania. And Father, we pray for Albanians living elsewhere, that they too would hear the truth of you and put their hope in you. We pray these things in your name. So that's every month we have a country of focus, and then there's basically news updates, like little mini news articles throughout. So one of them, and you might have heard this in more national news, um, of the Christians who were sentenced under the new Iranian law. And so here's a little bit more detail on that. Several Christians were sentenced to five years in prison for spreading propaganda against Islam after they refused to renounce Christ. Amin Khaki, Milad Gudarzi, and Alireza Nurmohammadi all converts from Islam were the first to be sentenced under Article 500 of Iran's newly amended penal code, which states that any deviant education or propaganda that contradicts or interferes with sacred Sharia law, which is Islamic law, will be severely punished. The law aims at halting the growth of Christianity and other religious groups in Iran. The three men, members of the Church of Iran, were each given the maximum prison sentence allowable under the amended article and also fined 40 million tomans, which is about 1,600 US dollars. Along with increased prison terms, the law allows the state to take away certain basic rights, such as voting, for as long as 15 years. Religious freedom activists warned that the amendment, which was first proposed in 2020 and passed by Iranian parliament in 2021, could be used to attack religious dissidents and minority groups, which is exactly what's happening. So join me in praying for um, our fellow believers in Iran. Father, we lift up the Christians in Iran who are being persecuted for their belief of you. Spirit, we pray that you would sustain Amin, Milad, and Alireza who have been arrested for standing by you publicly. Sustain them physically, spiritually, and emotionally as they are away from their families under immense stress and likely physical and emotional abuse, and they know it is because of their faith that they suffer. Remind them of their membership in the body of Christ and that there is a globe of believers praying for them and standing with them and that one day they will be worshiping you alongside them, every tribe, tongue, and nation. We pray these things in your name. To end on a happier note, there are some really horrible things happening in our, in our globe, but there are also some really hugely exciting and encouraging things happening in God's global kingdom. And one of them, I love the, the title that they gave to this, Flying Pastors Spreading the Gospel in Lesotho. That's just amazing. They're not actually flying themselves, they're in planes, but still, it's a really cool title. <laughs> In Lesotho, a small landlocked nation in southern Africa, Christianity is often blended with folk traditions like ancestor worship. Gospel conversations can be challenging because people often don't see the need for Jesus alone when they can have him along with their other rituals. The key to opening gospel doors in Lesotho may be Mission Aviations Fellowship, or MAF, their Flying Pastors Program. MAF has partnered with local pastors to reach people in the Sotho's remote and mountainous regions for Christ. MAF pilot Joe Adams says, what's really great about the Flying Pastors Ministry is that we are sending people who speak the language, who understand the culture, and they're able to go out and address the challenges that are faced. 
this is what makes the ministry of local Lesotho pastors so critical. Around two and a half years ago, the Lesotho Flying Pastors Program developed a new vision and mission statement. This was shortly after Adams arrived in Lesotho with MAF, and he has become very passionate about this outreach. He says, we decided to go to fewer places and to do both evangelism and discipleship in those places, to develop relationships with the people there, stay on the ground longer, and then try to see them through church plants. Just hugely encouraging. So let's pray for the Christians in Lesotho. Father, we praise you for what you have accomplished in Lesotho. Hallelujah. Praise be to you. People are separating what is false and what is true and are finding you, dedicating their lives to you. Praise you, God. Thank you for the work that you have done through Mission Aviation Fellowship. You have given skills to individuals, technology to our time, and the financial resources to MAF, and that all together has culminated in your glory. We praise you and thank you and pray that your work would continue in Lesotho and across the globe. May we glorify you in all that we do. Amen. Thank you, Emily. Praise God. Well, we are beginning um, our series, our Advent series, this uh, this morning, and we're going to look at John chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, I encourage you to open up and follow along, or you can follow along on the screen up here. John chapter 1. Um, and while you're turning there, you know, Advent is a time of anticipation, of waiting, of longing, of looking ahead to, to what is coming, and specifically with regards to remembering and longing for Christ's first coming and continuing to long for his second coming, right? So during this Advent season, we want to take some time to ruminate on why Jesus came into this world. Why did Jesus come, and what did he come to accomplish? So we're going to begin, uh, well, throughout the series, we'll look at different aspects of that, but we'll begin this morning with a look at John chapter 1. We'll read verses 1 through 5, and then we'll skip to 9 through 13. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Let's pray. Oh, Father, thank you that we can remember here 2,000 years later the anticipation of a Messiah, the, the longing for the first coming of our Savior into this world. Thank you, that on this side of the incarnation, this side of the crucifixion, this side of the resurrection, Lord, we know what you have done to draw us to yourself. 
Thank you that we can open your word and remember that and celebrate that. And Lord, I just want to pray this morning that the light of Christ would shine brightly. Would you help us to see the amazing gift that you have offered us in Christ and to receive him and all that he gives us with joy this morning. Lord, would you open our eyes to see, our ears to hear, our hearts to understand. Would your spirit fill this place? Would you be glorified? Would Jesus be exalted? And would you give us faith, we pray. In Christ's name, amen. Well, what does it mean to really live? That's a a question we maybe think about, or if not, we at least practically work through every single day. There are common things that we go to for life, right? One may be experiences, the experience of adventure, of discovery, of climbing over that mountain just to see what's on the other side. We look for life in experiences. You know, maybe that explains why we are so drawn to Instagram, even if uh, we aren't having the experience ourselves. There's something about that experience that kind of resonates in our soul that that touches on this ache and this longing for something, right? Another thing we may look to is relationships. The joy of knowing and being known by others, the excitement of having interesting people in our lives, the allure of a romantic interest, or the steadiness of having a social foundation. We often look for life in others. Another thing we turn to is belongings. The anticipation of getting the next thing, the pleasure of enjoying what we've accomplished, the the comfort that comes from a life of ease, we can look to life in belongings. And many other pursuits could be listed here, of course. But whatever, whatever it is, if it's an experience, a relationship, a belonging, knowledge, success, whatever, we are all searching for a satisfying and meaningful life. We're searching for a satisfying and meaningful life. Jesus came to give you the most satisfying and meaningful life imaginable. And that is what we remember at Advent. But it is radically different from anything else in this world. We remember that Jesus came to give us a new life and a new identity. And we're going to reflect on both of those this morning. So we'll start by remembering the new life that he gives us. You know, the Gospel of John opens with this profound prologue that expounds on the the personness and the purposefulness of God. So we see that God is personal. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was was God, and the the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. So God is not a mystical force. He's not an abstract notion. He's not a a generic higher power. God is a distinctly personal being. And in fact, God is three persons. God the Father, of course, we see in verse 14. God the Son, who's also called the Word here. And God the Spirit, who John talks about later in chapter 1. Three persons in one being, co-eternal, co-divine, equal in power, majesty, and glory. And this 
God, who existed before everything else, also created all things. He brought all things into being and is the author and source of life itself. We see that God is personal, but God is also purposeful. The expression in the beginning is deliberate. John wants us to recall the creation account of Genesis 1, which begins the same way. In creation, God made all things to spread his glory and beauty and majesty. From the vastness of the billions upon billions of galaxies to the the tiniest details of a fingerprint, a snowflake, an insect's wing, or a rose petal. God's creation reveals his power, his creativity, and his majesty. And he filled the planet, this planet, with life, with plants and animals, with sea creatures and birds of the air and bugs in the ground. But at the pinnacle of his creation, he made humankind, his image bearers, those who would mirror his likeness in this world. He made us distinct from all other living beings. He made us intellectually, morally, socially, and spiritually enabled. And along with this image bearing came two unique gifts, a responsibility and a privilege. He gave us the responsibility to tend, to cultivate, to oversee his creation. We were to steward what God made. And the privilege of knowing him, relating to him, enjoying him. And yet, we forsook both of them. Rejecting this privilege, we turned from God and chose instead to look for life and meaning in other sources. And neglecting this responsibility, we chose to use and abuse the creation he's given us rather than to steward it. Where the glory of God once shone so bright, mankind and creation now plunged into the spiritual and social darkness and deadness of sin. But God. But God. But God persisted. But God's purposes were not finished. God, the Word, the creator of the universe, came into his creation to speak in a new way. God, the true light, came into the darkness of the sin-riddled world to shine his glory in a new way. God, the source of all life, came into his creation, filled with spiritual deadness, in order to bring a new life. And that God, that word, that light, that source of life is Jesus. Jesus came into the world to offer you and to offer me new life. John writes, who were, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. This is not a status that is handed down through ancestry. It's not brought about by any human desire or will. It is the work and the gift of God. To all who receive him, Jesus offers them to be born anew, to be born of God. 
How can you describe such an experience? It feels impossible. You know, it feels kind of like trying to describe the wonders of this world, like standing on the edge of the Grand Canyon, walking amongst the redwoods, sailing away from the white cliffs of Dover. How do you describe the first time you hear Handel's Messiah or you stand beneath the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel? It's breathtaking, it's eye-opening, right? It's stunning, it's awe-inspiring. It makes you feel so small, and yet to see the beauty of what exists, what God has created. But still, all these descriptors fall short. And so too does any attempt at describing what it means to be born of God. Colin Smith, a pastor in the Chicagoland area, describes it simply as the life of God coming into a person. And I think this is so powerfully portrayed in the character of the, the story and the character of Mary Magdalene in The Chosen. I don't know if you have seen this uh, TV series. It's a wonderful, fantastic series. I highly recommend it. It's this, it is a series that kind of dramatizes these familiar stories that we have in the gospel accounts in the life of Christ by giving the people backstories and, and kind of personality and filling all of this, this out, making it three-dimensional, if you will. The first episode depicts the brokenness of Mary Magdalene's life. She's a prostitute that's tormented and oppressed by demons. She's racked with shame from trauma in her past. And she tries to medicate the pain with alcohol. But she gets to such a point of despair that she even attempts, comes, comes close to taking her own life. But then God leads her to a place to encounter Jesus, and her life is changed forever. For the first time since she was a child, they do this flashback to when her father is reciting scripture to her, reminding her of her worth and her value in Christ, in, in Yahweh. But from the first time since she was a child, she is seen, she is known, and she is loved. And Jesus calls her by name, Mary. He embraces her, and he sets her free. And you see the freedom that she has now, the life that she has now in Christ. And she describes it later in another episode. She said, I was one way, and now I'm completely different. And the thing that happened in between was him. That is what changed. John Newton uh, this reminds me of John Newton's hymn, As By the Light of Opening Day. He says, As by the light of opening day, the stars are all concealed. So earthly pleasures fade away when Jesus is revealed. The pleasures now no longer please, no more content afford. Far from my heart be joys like these, for I have seen the Lord. Now, Lord, I would be thine alone and wholly live to thee, but may I hope that thou wilt own a worthless one like me. Yes, though of sinners I am the worst, I cannot doubt thy will, for if thou hadst not loved me first, I would refuse thee still. This life that Jesus extends in the Gospels, 
this life that Jesus came to earth to give is for you. This life is for you. Maybe you have been trying so hard to earn God's acceptance. Maybe you feel unworthy or unlovable. Please hear this today. You do not have to make yourself acceptable. You do not have to earn his approval. Jesus came to give that and invite you to receive it. Perhaps others of you this morning feel hopeless or despairing. Maybe the darkness feels too great, like you can't see your way out. Maybe you've been turning over every possibility in your mind, trying to make sense of this world, but you're, you're left more confused and disoriented than you started. Remember this promise. In Christ was life, and that life was the light of men. The life Jesus offers is one of revelation. He gives us himself and shows us his care. He opens his heart and reveals his compassion. He shows us our brokenness, but pours out his grace. He exposes our confusion, but he brings us clarity. Just as a dark night sky reveals the brightness of the stars, so to the darker your circumstances, the brighter his light shines. He is the light when all other lights go out. And in that light is life. Jesus came to offer you life, but he also came to offer you something else. A new identity. A new identity. You see, Jesus was rejected by the very people he created. It says, he was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. Jesus came into the world he created, the world that he filled with life, to the people whom God had called to be his own people. And they rejected him. The very people he made in his image turned and spit in his face. You know, often the deepest cuts in life come from those who are closest to you. Like the, the searing pain of rejection from family or loved ones or the shock of betrayal from a friend that you trusted. But Jesus knew he would experience that rejection. And he still came anyways. Why did he go through all of that? Jesus endured rejection from most to offer a gift to all. Even though some, even most, would reject him, some would receive him. And John writes this, And to those who would receive him, who would believe on his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Jesus offers you a radical new identity, a child of God, a child of God. You know, what does it mean to be a child of someone? You're made from their genes, you bear their likeness, you know, maybe you're part of their household, you're raised by them. When you grow up, you say, I'm not going to do that thing, and then you just, it just comes out, like, where does this come from? 
But notice the language that John uses here. He doesn't say that we will be children of God, but that we are given the right to become children of God. Meaning that presently, without Christ, we are outside the covenant people of God. But upon receiving Christ, we are brought into it. He's talking about adoption. He's saying that in Christ, you and I are adopted by God and brought into his household. You know, I have uh, some friends who, a friend in particular, who uh, is adopted, and he told me one time that he loves to, you know, he, he was born in, uh, he was brought into a family that they had, there were some biological children, and then he was adopted. And he loves to tease his siblings and say, you know, mom and dad just had you, but they chose me. The Westminster Confession of Faith describes it like this. All those that are justified, God vouchsafes in and for his only son, Jesus Christ, to make partakers of the grace of adoption by which they are taken into the number and enjoy the liberties and the privileges of the children of God. Uh, Matt Woodley, a a commentator, writes this in his uh, commentary on Matthew. He tells this story. 18 years ago, my friend Andy and his wife traveled to a South American country to complete their adoption of a little girl. At the time, this country was gripped by corruption, violence, and political chaos. After Andy arrived, they, that is, anyone who could profit from Andy's plight, kept upping the price for the adoption. When he finally threatened to take the matter to the U.S. consulate, a mysterious figure confronted Andy, warning him of vague but dreadful consequences. It was like a spy thriller, except it was Andy who was caught in the middle of some sinister, dangerous plot. But he refused to leave without his daughter. The odd thing was that Andy had never even met this girl. She was small and helpless. She hadn't won any awards or aced any tests. He didn't know that one day her smile would light up their living room, or that she'd love their cats and dogs, or that she'd play Mozart pieces on the family piano. For all practical purposes, she was just an orphan condemned to a life of grinding poverty in a far-flung developing country. But for some crazy reason, Andy stayed there, negotiating with corrupt officials, spending oodles of money, squandering time, and even risking his life to find and win this little girl. And now 18 years old, Andy was telling me about an intimate high school graduation party for Maria, his adopted daughter. At one point during this meal, Maria unexpectedly stood up and gave a beautiful speech, thanking everyone who had helped her find a better life on Long Island. As Andy told me this story, he was trying to fight back the tears. I got the impression that he could have lived a hundred more years or even a hundred lifetimes, and nothing would compare to hearing Maria's spontaneous thank you. And it all started when Andy walked into that dangerous nightmare in an attempt to bring her home. Guys, this is the bottom line. Jesus didn't only come to bring you life. He came into this world to bring you home. 
He came into this world to bring you home. In our home, the first sign that greets you hangs just over the door uh, that goes into our kitchen. And it says simply, you know, it's like a Hobby Lobby thing we bought for five bucks or something. It says simply, love lives here. And it's a daily reminder for me when I walk home after a long day, you know, maybe I'm tired, maybe I'm grouchy, whatever, (laughs) to remember the kind of home that we want to have here what we want to fill our home with, the kind of home that we've brought our children into. What kind of home did Christ bring you into? What fills the household of God that you are adopted into? In this home, you have a father who loves you. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. He looks on us who turn from him and he stoops to embrace us. He forgives and forgives and forgives and forgives. He mercifully withholds what we deserve to get and instead graciously gives us what we do not. He is loyal, he is kind. And through every ebb and flow of our devotion, through every fickle flitter of our affection, his love endures. In this home, you have a father who knows you. He knows your past, he knows your present, he knows your future. He knows your thoughts, your fears, your struggles, and your dreams. Even before you ask him, He knows what you need. He knows you even better than you know yourself. And he loves you still the same. In this home, you have a father who provides for you. He invites you to come to him with every request, every need, every burden. And he promises to give all you need for the journey. He welcomes persistence and delights in your asking for it, reveals your trust in him. He understands even when you don't. And he mercifully does not give you what you want, but what you need. In this home, we have a father who sacrifices. He spared no expense for your redemption. He did not withhold his son, his one and only son, for you but gave him up for you to be saved, for you to be brought home. And now if you listen, you can hear the scurrying of the workers, the excited bustle, the joyful preparations for a celebration in the distance. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And by the way, in this home, you don't only get a father you also get a family. Christ, our Lord, now calls us brother and sister. Along with the Lord, we have a huge family, billions and billions of siblings in Christ. And we're filled with all kinds of weird idiosyncrasies, but filled with love nonetheless. 
We encourage, we pray, we offer friendship, accountability, reminders, service, help in times of need. And we have a family that we will spend eternity with in the presence of God. No doubt there are many trials and pains for a follower of Christ. But the benefits far outweigh them all. Christ offers you a new life and a new identity as an adopted child of God. Would you receive him today if you haven't yet? And would you come home? Amen. Each week we remember Christ's sacrifice for us, his body broken for us, his blood shed for us that makes this life possible. And we remember that through communion. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he had a meal with his disciples. And during the meal, he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, broken for you. Whenever you eat this, do this in remembrance of me. Later on during the meal, he took the cup And pouring it, he said, this is the new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink this, do this in remembrance of me. And the Apostle Paul says that as often as we eat this bread and we drink this cup, that we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We remember his sacrifice for us. We actively put our trust in him and we look ahead with hope. Christ in you, the hope of glory. We look ahead to being with him for all eternity. A few words of instruction before we come uh, to the table. There, we'll, have, we'll have a moment of silence, which is just some time to, to pause and, and reflect on the passage from this morning, to pray, to open our hearts to the Lord. Um, and then the band will come back up. We'll have some more music. And an elder or deacon will come up here, uh, here and here, to distribute the bread and the juice. And at any point... It, that you would like to, you're welcome to come up here and receive that. There'll be uh, bread will be handed out here, and then there will be little cups of juice that you can pick up on the table. And there's also prepackaged um, communion kits on the welcome table if you're more comfortable with that as well. This is open to anyone who's a follower of Jesus, so you don't have to be a member here or regularly attend or anything like that. If you trust Christ, you're invited to come and participate. And if you're here this morning and you'd say that doesn't describe you, we're just thrilled that you're spending your Sunday with us and encourage you to take some time to reflect on this, maybe to consider if you would, um, if you would be interested in following Christ. I would love to talk with you, me or Chipper, or any of our elders, please come and uh, chat with us afterwards. And if you would like prayer, uh, the elder deacon who distribute communion will be available for prayer on the sides here afterwards. So please come and take advantage of that. Okay, let's pray together. Father, thank you for this amazing gift that you offer us. A gift of life, a new identity as children of God, and that it is made possible through Christ, through his body broken, through his blood shed, but first through him coming into this world, through him experiencing rejection, and sorrow, but offering life to all who will receive him. 
Lord, may we receive you this morning. Renew our hearts, our minds, our souls by your presence, by your word. We love you, O oh Lord, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Sing together, man of sorrows. Man of sorrows, Lamb of God, by his own betrayal, the Son of Man and wrath of God has been on Jesus. He stood accused, beaten, mocked, and scorned, bowing to the Father's will. He took a crown of thorns. Oh, that rugged cross, my salvation, where your love. 
This is one that my daughter filled out, and she checked every box. Look at that. So you got to compete against that. Um, reminder to fill that out and uh, drop that on your way out, and check out the welcome table as well. Uh, our benediction this morning comes from Romans 8. So then, brothers, 
We are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Amen. Let's sing the doxology. Let's sing together. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Go in peace. Just hear those sleigh bells jingling, ring, ting, tingling, too. Come on, it's lovely weather for a sleigh ride together with you. Outside the snow is falling and friends are calling you. Come on, it's lovely weather for a sleigh ride together with you. Giddy-yap, 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 let's go. Let's look at the show. We're riding in a wonderland of snow. Giddy-yap, 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 it's grand. Just holding your hand We're gliding along With the song of a wintry fairyland Our cheeks are nice and rosy And comfy cozy are we We're snuggled up together Like two birds of a feather would be Let's take that road before us And sing a chorus or two Come on, it's lovely weather for a sleigh ride together with you.
Our 